Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 529 of So You Want to Be a Writer, the podcast that's all about writing and publishing. My name's Valerie Koo. I'm CEO of the Australian Writers' Centre, the world's leading centre for writing courses, and I'm your host. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you enjoy today's episode as I have got an incredible internationally best-selling dynamic duo in store for you today. In the meantime, a big shout out to Naomi P from Australia, who kindly left a review on Apple Podcasts. Naomi said, this podcast is a recent discovery and I've enjoyed binge listening to many episodes over the past few days. Valerie's interviewing style is smooth and conversational and the authors take the lead in the way they describe their works and their latest books. I've loved having these inside peeps into the world of so many diverse authors and have learned so much listening to the three tips provided by the authors at the end of each episode. Thanks, Valerie, for a very enjoyable listen. You managed to keep my ADHD attention span throughout each each episode and I appreciate it. Well, welcome Naomi and thank you for your lovely words and for taking the time to leave a review. I hope that you have a huge back catalogue to draw on um, as you keep on binging. Thank you so much. And of course, if anyone else has 30 seconds to leave a review or rating on Apple Podcasts, that would be great um, because it really helps us in the rankings. Now let's move on. Sometimes when I watch a movie or TV show, I get sidetracked by a really minor character or storyline and I find myself wondering how they ended up there and what happens to them after the main events of the show. So, for example, you know in the movie Speed with Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock, well, at one point they crash the bus into a pram, but it's okay because the pram is actually full of cans, you know, not babies, no babies, just cans. But I've always wondered, kind of wondered, well, why was that woman pushing a pram full of cans? Was it her recycling? Was she stocking up on cat food? And why a pram? I thought that could be a fun exercise to try out because, you know, next time you're watching or reading something, take one of the side characters and write their story. How did they get to that place and that point in time where they became part of someone else's story? Because even side characters have stories. They don't just exist solely for your main character. They have lives that have led them to that point. Give it a try. And who knows, you may even end up creating a whole new story. Now let's move on to our competition this week. I have three copies of The Writing Retreat by Julia Bartz to give away. A a writing retreat sounds like a dream for most writers. So this week's giveaway... The Writing Retreat by Julia Bartz follows five writers on a unique writing retreat with an eerie twist when people start disappearing. So here's the blurb. Five attendees are selected for a month-long writing retreat at the remote estate of the controversial feminist horror writer Rosa Vallow. Alex, a struggling writer, is thrilled to receive this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Upon arrival, it's revealed that they must all complete an entire novel from scratch and the best one will receive a life-changing seven-figure publishing deal. Alex's long-extinguished dream now seems within reach and she's determined to win this seemingly impossible contest. But then the women begin to disappear. Trapped, terrified, yet still desperately writing, it's clear there is more than a publishing deal at stake here. Alex must confront her own demons and finish her novel to save herself. 
All right, three copies of The Writing Retreat by Julia Bartz to give away. Just go to writercentre.com.au slash win. Entries close on the 20th of March. And if you're at that URL in the future, because you're listening to the back catalogue, back, back catalog, uh, don't worry, there'll be some other fantastic uh, competition for you to enter. That's writercentre.com.au slash win. And now... Are you ready for the word of the week? Well, I hope you are, because here it is. Rubiginous. That's R-U-B-I-G-I-N-O-U-S. Rubiginous. So what does rubiginous mean? Well, it's an adjective, and it means rusty, rust-coloured, or brownish-red. So maybe you could say something like, her dress was rubiginous, or changed the fence of the law office was a collection of rubiginous bicycles. So very rusty bicycles, right? There you go, rubiginous. And that was the word of the week. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, a world leader in writing courses. Our self-paced course, Fiction Essentials Characters, takes one of the key components of any story and helps you develop not only the main players, but your entire cast of characters. You'll discover how to seamlessly merge plot and structure, create narrative tension, shape scenes, and create believable dialogue, all with strong characters that your readers can connect with. You can even start with just a character idea and nothing else. And this course will provide you with the steps and exercises to create your entire story idea. Equally, if you have a story that's in need of some original characters, you'll be able to build them here too. Plus, because this is one of our online self-paced courses, you'll enjoy instant access and can learn at your own pace with 12 months access to all course materials. You can find out more at writercentre.com.au slash characters. That's writercentre.com.au slash characters. Now let's move on to our writer or writers in residence this week. Today I'm talking to Nikki French, the internationally successful author of psychological thrillers that quite frankly just sell their socks off. But Nikki French is not one person. It is the pseudonym of English husband and wife team Nikki Gerard and Sean French. They just released their latest and 26th novel, The Favour, which is set to be a bestseller just like all their other novels. Thank you so much for joining us today, Nikki and Sean. Thank you so much for having us today. It's really nice to be with you. I'm so thrilled to be talking to this dynamic dynamic duo, uh, particularly about your latest book, The Favour. Um, and there's so many things I want to talk about. But first, and I guess I'll leave it to you as to deciding who would like to talk first. Can you tell us what it's about? Okay, so so the idea for the favour came from a conversation or almost like an argument that we had for many years about a kind of moral conundrum, if you like. And we talked about if someone came to you who meant a lot to you, who had who had kind of an emotional history with you, who in some way you felt indebted to and asked you for a favour, would you unconditionally say yes before you knew what the favour was or would you be more wary? And because we couldn't quite reach 
an agreement on that. We knew that one day we had to turn that into a book. And that's often actually how our books start. They're kind of what if, what do you think conversations. But we didn't know how to make it into an actual thriller until we thought about our central character, whose name is Jude. And she's a young doctor just starting off in her career, really. reached nearly 30. She's care of the elderly doctor, got a job she loves. She's got, she's, got a fiance she's about she's about to buy a house with him in other words everything is on track which is very dangerous in a Nicky French book when you think you know where you are and if you think you're standing on on solid ground anyway out of the past um comes her first love Liam someone who she had a passionate affair with when she was just 18 and with who she, a relationship that kind of ended dramatically and in quite an unresolved way. And he says to her, will you do me a favour? And Jude says, yes. And it's a very bad idea. From And from that, her life unravels. It's like step by step, she's walking into a kind of nightmare. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to unpack a bit more about the writing process that you guys used for this book. But if we can just cast your mind back, back to, I guess, the 90s before you wrote your first book together, can you remember what was the thing that made you decide we should co-write a book? We shouldn't be Sean French and Nikki Gerard. We should be Nikki French and and collaborate what was the thing that started that process well when Nikki, Nikki and I met in 1990 and when we met we were both both journalists so actually both of us writing was absolutely from the beginning at the heart of our of our relationship and so we if I wrote an article I'd show it to Nikki before I sent it to anyone else and the same with our reading if I read a book I loved or you know I'd pass it to Nikki and she'd read it and we'd talk about it and we just started having conversations about, do you know, maybe we could, would it be possible sometime for us to, to write something together? Uh, and maybe nothing would have come of it, but we suddenly, we came across in 1994, a the whole controversy about recovered memory, which is where people, young women mainly, were going into therapy and uncovering a terrible abuse long in their past. And as a result, people were being sent to prison. And the question was, um, were these, were these, were, was it genuine? You know, were they, or, you know, were, were these recollect, recollections, recovered memories genuine? And we had this double reaction, which is what a terrible, tragic story this was, but also, wow, we could, this would be a really good subject for a thriller. And we thought this, since we'd both read it together, this was, it was somehow this the message was we, this is we should try it so we so in during 1994 and then we you know we started preparing to try to try and try just as an experiment to see if the two of us could fashion one voice and actually forget being Nicky French and being published could we just get to the end of a book together without killing each other. <laughs> okay, so you decide to do this as an experiment. How then did you go about, practically speaking, writing it together back then? And presumably it may have evolved compared to now, and we'll get into that. But back then, what did you say to each other? How did you plan it? You know, 
you write uh, one chapter, oh, yeah. I write one chapter. Yeah, how do you write a book together? That's the, I mean, the first thing to say is that we never actually sit down and write together. We never sit at a keyboard and exchange ideas and dictate to each other. And that would be, I mean, for us, that would be absolutely impossible, that the actual writing process has to be done alone. And that strange thing that happens when you write, when you disappear into yourself and you let the writing take you places, that has to be done alone. Um, and we always knew that. So what we do, what we actually, and it hasn't evolved very much. I mean, from book to book, it differs a bit. But the method that we cobbled together, because it was the only way we thought possible, is the method that we still more or less use today, which is that we will spend weeks and months preparing the book from the very first idea, like the one I was just talking about with the favour, you know, from this little germ that happens, um, often born out of kind of conversations over the breakfast table or on walks, kind of ideas that kind of come in by the side, by the back window. Um, and we talk about the, the kind of beating heart of the book, why it has to be written. We talk about the plot. We talk about the characters and we gradually kind of build it up so we have a real sense of what the novel is. We don't have a sense chapter by chapter, um, but we have an absolute understanding, both of us, of what's going to be happening in the novel, um, both on a psychological level and on a plot-driven level. And then we go in our separate directions. And Sean has a shed in the garden and I have an attic at the top of the house. Um, so we work as far away from each other as we possibly can. And we work sequentially. So we don't, it's not time efficient at all. You know, we do all the research together and then when we write, one of us will write, say, the first chapter. They will email it to the other who is kind of can correct it, edit it, add to it, change it, erase it and rewrite it if they think necessary. Um, and then they will write, say, the next chapter. And so we'll pass it between us like that. And then we do the same thing when it comes to editing. We'll both, when we've got to the end of the first draft, we'll read it, we'll make lots of notes, we'll talk about it at great length. We'll make decisions about any changes and then one of us will do the first edit and then the next person will then do the second edit. So you alternate chapters. Okay. So a few chapters, maybe just maybe just a couple of pages or something, but little bits. Yeah. How do you know when to stop though and then swap? Good question. I mean, we don't we don't have a rule for that. And in fact, we don't, we have very few writing yeah. rules. It can so we never decide in advance who's going to write the first chapter. Or I mean, it usually is a chapter or a few chapters. It's usually a certain number of words about. And it, you know, it can't be that we're, one of us is writing for three weeks while the other is sitting around kind of waiting to, to kind of can take up the baton. So it's kind of every two days or so we'll pass it between each other. But I think the, in all the, in the unexpected thing about it, I mean, we, as I said, we started it as an experiment, really just a, almost like a technical experiment. And I think, you know, with no plan of having it as a career. And I think what the, what we discovered and is once we got going with the book and felt that this is turning into a real novel is it wasn't just like, you know, we have separately, when we write to do our own work, we have very different styles. I think we were suddenly realizing we were being, we were writing in a, you know, as this other person. And, and, I, and I can genuinely say for myself that when I write as Nikki French, 
I, I, I'm somehow free to write in a way that's different from what I'm capable of on my own. And, it's, and after all this time, it's completely mysterious. I, you know, it feels really strange, but, but I really genuinely, it's like putting on a mask and going to a carnival and behaving in a way that you would never behave in your normal life. There's that kind of freedom about it, I think. Yes. Yeah, so just to kind of underline that we are not, it's not that we're trying to push two styles together, a bit of Sean and a bit of Nikki, and we'll push them together and try and smooth it out. We are writing into this voice that we've created, which is a very, very different voice from either of our individual writing voices, the voice of Nikki French. And it's a, it's a, it's an endeavour that takes a lot of trust. I mean, that's the kind of basic principle behind the writing is that we have to lay aside our our individual egos and we have to do it in the service of Nikki French. So we have three rules that have kind of grown up. We didn't set out with three rules, but we've realised we've got three rules. I mean, the first is that, what is the first? Oh, the first is that we email our text to each other. We don't summon each other and say, this is what you did wrong and I'm going to change it. We just do it invisibly. And we don't really talk about those changes because it's quite painful, as you can imagine, having your words rewritten. Um, so we just need to do it kind of respectfully and remotely, if you like. The second is that if I write something that I'm very proud of and I send it to Sean and then when it comes out, I see he's rewritten the whole thing, I am not allowed to change it back because then I, it would be that would be saying that he was wrong and I was right. And actually, we're, we're always trying to think of what is what makes it the most Nicky French-ish possible? What is, it, what is it to be Nicky French? And then the third rule is that we will never tell anyone who wrote which bit. And that is partly a kind of superstition, as if the whole thing would unravel if we did. But it's partly just belongs to the other two rules as well, which is about that this is Nikki French. Nikki French wrote it. So even if Sean wrote it and I kind of approved it or edited it, it belongs to both of us. I love how you described it, Nikki French. Like you kind of put on this mask, you said, Sean, and you become Nikki French. But the thing is, you both obviously put on the same mask. Did you have a discussion as to who Nikki French was and, you know, how Nikki French would write? I think it's more... I mean, I think it's more each, it's like, I think it emerges naturally. I think that's the thing, it's never, almost nothing that we've done has been pro- actually intellectually planned. It's just, it's sort of, this is where we've arrived at. And uh, I think what we, it's really, the, the, I think the the Nikki French, this up new thing comes because we just spend so much time talking about the world, of this, what this story is and what the tone of it is and what the main character is going to go through. And I think that's where it comes from. I think we couldn't, we couldn't have made like an intellectual, oh, that she doesn't use many adjectives or, you know, writes quite short sentences or something like that. That would have been, you know, it's, it's something that's just, come organically i think but but as i say i'm i'm i still feel i'm looking at it a bit from the outside which seems crazy but you know when i if i pick up some old book that we wrote 10 years ago and look at it it doesn't feel mine really it, it, it does feel like something that someone else wrote but it is possible to say that partly nikki french arose almost not exactly randomly but there wasn't an element of chance in it the the, the first book that we wrote, The Memory Game, came out of the recovered or false memory controversy, which was almost always kind of experienced by women in therapy. 
So we had a female central character, was a first person narrator in that book. And so when we came to choose a name for ourselves, we always knew it was going to be one name, not two. We didn't want to kind of draw attention to two people because that's exactly not the point. So when we came to choose a name, we thought it should be a female author because it was a female narrator. And in a sense, out of that decision, out of that first book, out of the kind of imperative of having a female narrator, that's where Nikki French was born. You know, in, there's an alternative universe where Sean Gerard is lurking, waiting for us to have an idea that has to be narrated by a man. Um, so we could have, we could have been, maybe we could have been Sean French, but maybe Sean could. Gerard, but maybe Sean Gerard wouldn't have worked. Maybe, maybe only Nikki French would have worked. And the other thing to say about, you know, the discussion about who is she? What kind of writer? It, it partly, I mean, it's partly what Sean was saying. It emerges. In the writing, I mean, book by book, each book is different. Each book has a kind of different protagonist, a different voice and a a kind of different sensibility, if you like. And so that first bit of writing, you have to kind of feel your way gradually into who the character is and therefore what the style is. Um, And so we learn kind of from the character and from each other as it evolves. And, you know, because writing, we can have a very clear idea of a novel and we can have it set out in very kind of clinical detail. And then when we start writing, quite often it just won't do that. It won't go in the direction we thought it was going to. It hits a wall or kind of comes across a knot and it takes us in slightly different directions. And we always have to be available to that. That's kind of when you know it's working is when it's kind of it's slightly out of your control. So when you did that experiment and you just had a go you were a journalist at the time you would had other you know had a professional job you did this as an experiment at what point did you think we're we're going to do this <laughs> <laughs> well there's, there's very different answers to that I think first we felt I think like kind of halfway through the book we thought this is a real book so that was one that was one but even then you never know with fiction you don't quite know what you've got, you know, because you can be, you can deceive yourself, you know. But anyway, but then, so we finished the book, and it was, and it was accepted for publication, um, and that was very exciting. Very quickly, it was, and then when we were given the contract by our first, by the publisher, it was a, it was a two book, two book. Suddenly, it was a two book deal, and we thought, hang on, do we have to, do we have to do this again? <laughs> so, you know, we were very naive. I think, start although we'd been, you know, we were journalists, we were kind of naive about it, and it did. So, I think it was only gradually that we suddenly thought, that, oh, you know, I mean, I, I think also, you know, it's a classic thing. Like people say it's about rock bands. Is it the difficult second album syndrome or difficult third album? I think there is, you know, you see, I mean, we've been in the literary world for a long time and lots of people will do a birth through with one book, maybe two books, but it's hard to sustain it. And so I think it was really maybe one when we got did our second or third book, we suddenly thought, yeah, this is what this is who we are now. This is what, you know, and also I think I think, as Nikki said a bit before, it almost took maybe two or three books for, for Nikki French to kind of coagulate <laughs> that's a horrible word but sometimes <laughs> take, take shape and then and we said this is who we are and this is the kind of book we're writing well the other hand having said that what we what we always want to do is to be slightly a new author with each book there's always a danger when especially for you know we this is our 26th 
novel. That's a lot of novels. <laughs> and the danger is you kind of get a bit complacent or stuck in a rut or you start thinking, oh, this is what the reader wants. And we must we know we mustn't do that. We really don't want to do that. Either. We want to have kind of we want to have an adventure with each book that we write. So we, we never want to be too sure of kind of who Nikki French is or what on earth she's going to do next. We want to be a bit surprised by ourselves. Okay, so this is your 26th book. So do you have, in the course of, say, your year, do you have some kind of rhythm to when you're doing those weeks and months of planning, when your full-on writing period is, and, you know, then editing and so on? What does that look like across the so we, year. Yeah, we absolutely do. So it is one pretty much one book a year and has been ever since we started. You know, our first book was published in 1997, so it's kind of pretty much once a year. And the and our life is regulated by that year. And of, of course each book is slightly different. Some books go much more easily. Sometimes the planning takes much longer and the book writes much more swiftly and sometimes it's vice versa. So we you can't be completely it's not a kind of rigid thing. I mean, I know there are some writers <clears throat> published yearly who deliver on the same day each year. And we don't do that, but we always deliver in the summer. Pretty much the beginning, kind of early July is when we deliver. And then we go away on holiday. <laughs> but the, <laughs> we start the, the the start of the book for us normally. I mean, sometimes we'll have had the idea already. We go away on, on a walking holiday in autumn and we walk. For, for about eight days, we walk from hotel to hotel, long, long walks, and we really try and thrash out what it is we're going to be writing next. And so that's the kind of, that's the first step. And then we'll spend the next month or so, but it might be longer or it might be shorter, um, absolutely getting it in place. So we will start writing before the end of the year, normally. <laughs> I mean, all these things are kind of rules that we've broken. So, And also, we know that there are times where we've, where for a start, we're thinking of ideas all the time. And it's not, we never like going to work. It's just the, the best ideas just come when you're not expecting them. And uh, and also, sometimes it goes wrong. I mean, you know, there are so many times where we've, ri- we've written a, a third of a book or half a book, and we think this isn't, there's something wrong here that we can't fix. And we just junked it and done something else. And one time, a really horrible time, we wrote a whole book. And at the end of it, we thought there's something, there's something wrong. And, and we and we just we actually junked a whole novel. And oh which is, that was a painful thing to do. But but in a way, things it's like really that. What was that painful? So we had this novel, and we thought there's something wrong, it would take a lot of work. And then along came this idea for the next novel that we were going to write, which we really loved. And we were so excited by it that we thought, we're just going to do that instead. It's just, that's where our heart is. So it's quite interesting. A bit of kind of... Well, I think there's that feeling where you look back on all those days sitting writing that, you know, and you think, you know, you feel we could have learned language in that period. (laughs) (laughs) But you've got to say... What you do, it's like like the foundation. You you know, I think that... All writing, all, so much of writing is about failure. It's about mm. what uh, ideas you discard, sentences you throw away, chapters you throw away, new beginnings. Mm. There is so much detritus of writing, and that's the ground you're walking on, I think. Yeah, mm. I mean, that's a very important thing about how. I mean, it's, you know, it's one thing for us to feel that, but when you know, if you're when you're if you've written something and it's not not working, 
it's, you know, you, there's no point in, in having a boring bit in your book and people say, well, it's boring. You say, yeah, but it took a long time to write. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the writing because what I'm fascinated by, as we've already touched on, is that you write approximately a chapter or thereabouts each and then you alternate, you, you swap and you alternate. So number, so a, a, a multi-pronged question. <laughs> um, firstly, what does the other person do while the other person is writing? Oh, and yeah. I know it sounds blissful it sounds like two days out of four sounds like half the week is a time of leisure and it it just is not like that no. at all it's really really I mean it is very full-on I mean there's a lot of I mean partly because we've been writing for a long time and written so many novels there's a lot of stuff around the act of writing which often you don't think of as a writer a lot of kind of admin a lot of responding to to, to readers you know we're always doing research so although we both do the research we can do it at different times to each other we always have to put in that work and the, the research which I hope remains kind of invisible below the surface of the novel nevertheless is very important to us and and then also we have had times when we've been writing our own things as well yes yes of course but also then do you you're in the attic you're in the shed do you keep similar hours in terms of your right like because some people <laughs> love writing in the morning some people love writing in the middle of the night you know mm. or the afternoon do you mirror each other a bit that way well, we we keep similar. I think we just keep really pretty similar hours. We have extremely different writing styles. So I think Nikki is like a like a, like a machine, both, a robot. What you know, Nikki is like <laughs> it's you know. I mean, you, the key thing thing about writing novels compared with almost it was certainly within writing something like poetry, is it's it's not just about inspiration. It's about turning up every day and to getting it done. And Nikki's brilliant at that. I, throughout my career, I've been less good at that. I'm a, I'm a more uh, a more distractible, in the, uh, to put it in a very in a polite way. So I think I could sometimes write in a more diffuse sort of style. So we have different start, really different styles of, of writing. So it's, that's why it's quite good that we're. Um, you know what the um, what's the thing that you should never see how you don't want to see how the sausage is made. You know, you don't want to see how Sean actually writes. You know, the writing comes there in the end, but it can be a, it can be a messy process. But for, for me, I mean, my ideal writing day is getting up rather early going for a run or a swim, coming back, having a large amount of coffee and then getting going. And so I, I, and there is something if you've not done any work by the kind of middle of the day, I just start feeling kind of itchy and anxious and stale. So you mean it involves leaving Twitter on red for a whole morning? I never. <laughs> now you both, you both uh, do write your own things separately fiction, non-fiction, um, a range of things. But you've said that you, when you write as Nikki French, you you are writing as Nikki French. Um, how does it differ? How does the feeling differ when you're writing your own thing? Such a good question. And that's quite hard to explain. There's, in some ways, the feeling is quite similar because it's what we were talking about earlier, that thing of it, you know, you turn up for work, as it were, you've got your idea, and then you start writing. And some writing days are just horrible and they just against the grain. And some writing days you're falling down into yourself and the writing is taking over and leading you on. So there's that kind of solitary magic that takes place, even though we're writing the book together. But at the same time, you know, and we've talked about this a lot. We, 
I wish I could find a better way of describing it. There's a there's a sense that we're kind of writing for ourselves and and kind of in that strange writing space, but we're also writing to each other. So there's a kind of hidden intimate voice maybe that's being passed between us. So when I'm kind of when I'm writing, there's a little bit. I mean, I don't write for a reader, but except maybe I write for Sean somewhat and wow I, I agree no i i think that i mean i am and i i feel very absolutely the same about that i do feel that i'm really the, the i have yeah i have that double thing of having a reader in mind but but even but more thinking to see how nikki will deal with what i'm writing you know just i want to kind of give her a little bit more than she was expecting and i just about i mean i spent before i wrote a book at all i was probably spent almost about 10 years doing journalism, so having my name on lots of things. And I found it really quite li- psychologically liberating, I think, to have to start to be writing without without things that don't have my name on it. You know, right? And I felt it really weird. Because everyone knows it's you, so it's like... Yeah. <laughs> yes. don't really, but they don't really know it. And it's not, you can't quite kind of point to... Um, to who did to who did what you know in it you know that and that so I I I do I really find I've weird I mean I would if I'd been told age twenty five I was doing that I think don't isn't that awful not getting the full credit you know and and, and I, that would be the logical thing you know because I'm as vain and selfish as the next person well not not as not, not as this next person uh, but um I it was quite the opposite I really rather like the idea of that there's this that it's I get that it's going the book is going out there and it's something separate from me. So when you both feel called to write something on your own, because something happens, like there's a creative spark or something compels you to want to write this other thing that isn't a Nikki French thing, what then happens? Do you have a planning meeting with each other to say, I really want to fit this in this year and you've got to fit this in and we've got to write a book together? What happens? We never have anything as grown up as a planning. (laughs) But, I mean, I think that... I think that time usually isn't the issue. I mean, time is a huge issue, but in, for me at least, writing is about some kind of inner landscape. So, I mean, in the same way that I can write, sometimes I can write in any place I am, and sometimes I can't write anywhere. And it's not so. It's not. It's not contextual like that. I think that the times when I've really needed to write a Nicky Gerrard something then I can write it and you make yourself the space you make yourself you can burn through you, you you can just do it I mean obviously we need to be flexible with each other but we're flexible anyway mm-hmm. because it's such a kind of it's such an an elastic kind of untidy arrangement we have we don't have a kind of okay nine o'clock in the morning you're going to hand over it's not like that at all it's much more adaptable I mean time is a strange thing it, when we started writing the memory game in 1995 we had we were both really full-time journalists and kind of quite kind of sort of when I say struggling journalists we were you know doing loads of things and trying to pay the bills and we had four children under the age of nine uh and so there was, so if you do the math there was like no time in which to write a novel and yet you can you can somehow you can do it which is what I often think about writing is that I think lots of people have the idea that I'm going to write my book in the in this in when I have the time or when I'm in the right space or when I've done the proper research and you'll never you'll never get to that time or at least the right time is is 
this is today. You know, there's always a reason to put off writing, doing your writing. You both sound so simpatico in your creative process that it's actually hard to imagine you would ever disagree on, you know, what a character's going to do or what's going to happen in the plot. Does that happen? It was yes. So, I mean, the first thing to say is that if we both have radically different ideas about the plot or the characters, it's not that one person wins and the other person loses. If there's something I really believe in and Sean doesn't, that's that's not going to happen. We both have to be kind of fully on board with something. And there's a complete right of veto and not in a, you know, just if one person doesn't like an idea. I mean, because one of the points of of the way of, of working together, and you, as we, and you, if you're a writer on your own, it's an internal process, you're just having idea after idea, 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 and then, and most of it is get, is is getting rid of tempting ideas saying no that's not quite right you know so we're always rejecting um and and i think you know we have we have and we have lots of childish rows in other parts of our life but we i think we're really clear that that that, that, that is, it would be complete i think if we were if 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 we were likely to get into a real nasty or you know argument about you ruin you're ruining this book or you know, by by having this idea we we couldn't possibly have written one book, you know. It would, you know, and it would just it would, the whole thing would stop. I think we've both always kind of unconsciously, maybe some of the time, kind of known how dangerous it would yeah. be if we started in any way making into a kind of struggle between two rising egos. And we we genuinely just don't do that. Maybe because we know that it would just it, everything would be wrecked by that. And also, in a way, because our names aren't on it. Maybe I don't know if that's the reason. You know, it's about always. It's like you're we're trying to build a machine that will work. You know, it's what does the machine need? You know, what will this? But what does this? What will make this story as good as it possibly can? And you know, of course, I trust that Nikki's not going to suggest something that's going to make the if I could whip this metaphor to death, make the machine not work properly. You know, we, you know, this is what we both, you know, we want to achieve. And and of course, on the other hand, you know, you say if I just didn't try, if I thought Nikki wasn't quite up to it, you know, if she wasn't quite a good enough writer to do it, well, again, that would, you know, that we'd have fallen apart. You know, in every way. <laughs> and also, if it's an idea that, say, I love and Sean doesn't really love, then that's a Nicky Gerald idea. That's for a book that's written by me, not by us. Mm-mm. And so I'd like to ask both of you, because you both might have different answers, what is the most challenging and the most rewarding thing about you two working together? Well, good well, question. Well, I can say if you, I mean, I think there are lots of, for start, I'll start with the negative. I'll start with the negative. Then, then we'll have a happy ending. I mean, it's just I think that I mean writing is hard, and it is. I think collaborating is really hard because it does because you're constantly having to negotiate about about it, and it, and it, and it, and also for in the certainly the way we work, it actually I think it takes longer than someone writing a book on their own because of the two people working on it. So. It, and then also every every story, you know, once you get down in the dirty business of writing the story, there's always think there's always there are problems and there are things you run into brick walls and there are sections where it doesn't quite work. And that's you know, and it's we you know, when you're having to face that together, you know, there's nowhere to hide. And it that it, it can be, you know, when a book is if it, at certain points or if it's going badly, that's really painful together. You can't it, it, you know, if Nikki, if I were writing it on my own, I could then 
put it away and then we'd talk about something else in the evening whereas you know so there's all that you know uh and um but i think that there are the rewards i've had they're they're huge and they vary both about this i think i've tried to convey about this um, uh, the possibility of writing in a, in this becoming a different writer and that's in, it's been always extremely exciting and i think there are the practicalities of two people work if you're actually as two people having to work on a story i think there's a kind of real benefit because you're always having to bounce ideas off and also you're good at not letting yourself get away with cheats and things like that if the other person is sort of you know and then also actually there's the stage we're at here sitting talking i think there's something about the fact that the two of us can go that it's not that lonely business of going out and being the author it's really it's been, it's been over over the, the fact that we are here in australia together is i mean it's it's very writing is such a lonely business in lots of ways so it's for us it's been this very sociable thing so i love it wow Nikki? so i so i so i agree with those things and i guess i'd add so then if i start with the negative i mean inevitably there is a kind of there is some level of distress when you're rewritten and that there has to be i mean what would it be if not you know if you you, you know that that kind of business of bringing something out from yourself and then having it kind of just dismantled that is that makes you feel very vulnerable and if and there are moods that i can be in when i'm in quite a vulnerable mood anyway and then you hand over your precious words and they're removed from you and they're erased of course that's distressing you just have to be a bit you just have to learn to live with that and almost like before not being distressed um and and we've managed to do that and then the positive uh, alongside what Shauna said about the positives, it really has been a way of exploring the world together, kind of shining a light into those, all the things that make us kind of anxious, that unsettle us, um, that make us feel we don't know what we think about things. Those are the things we write about. So we, it's kind of writing has been kind of, the way that we the way that we think about the world that we're in and that has been extraordinary to be able to do that with somebody that's a very intimate thing and as long as we do it respectfully then it's been then it's been amazing what an incredible partnership i'm just absolutely <laughs> floored it's just so inspirational look everyone needs to get a copy of nikki french's latest novel the favor it is a page turner and you will absolutely love it so thank you so much guys for your time today so thank you it's thank you for having us it's been really nice talking and thank you for all your questions great questions I hope you enjoyed my chat with Nikki Gerard and Sean French. They really have a true collaboration going on in all aspects of their lives and they produce such great books and such successful books as a result. Now, before I leave you for the end of this episode, I have a fun fact for you. This is from the uh, Guinness Book of World Records. The word with the most meanings in English is the verb set, S-E-T, with 430 senses listed in the second edition of the Oxford English Dictionary, published in 1989. The word commands the longest entry in the dictionary at 60,000 words or 326,000 characters. Okay, now, however... This achievement is likely to be overtaken in the next edition of the Oxford English Dictionary by the word run, which will have 645 senses listed. And in case you're wondering when the next edition is due out, it'll be in 
2037. There you go. All right, this brings us to the end of this week's episode. I want to say, by the way, a big hi to everyone who joined the creative coaching event that I hosted last week with internationally best-selling author Kate Forsyth on tapping into your creativity and finding your voice. There were almost 600 of you on the Zoom and I loved all of your questions. So many of you have also joined Kate's new course at the Australian Writers' Centre called Dare to Dream, which is for writers who want to unlock the door to their subconscious and find inspiration and empowerment in telling their story. If you're interested in finding out more, go to writerscentercomau slash dream. In the meantime, do connect with me. A great place to do that is within the podcast listener group on Facebook. Just search for So You Want to Be a Writer podcast community and request to join. I'd love to have you in there. Um, lots of different authors from uh, and writers and aspiring writers and emerging writers from all walks of life. So, um, yeah, that's on Facebook. Or feel free to connect with me on social media at Valerie Koo on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm over at ValerieKoo.com. Of course, you can find all the information about all of our courses at writercenter.com.au. Thanks for listening, everyone, and I look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find the show notes at writercenter.com.au slash podcast or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writercenter.com.au slash news where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions, and much more.